All right. Um, let's talk about the PDC in Dayton. So, so the PDC and the SEP event uh, in Dayton. Um, I've made several podcasts about that, and you've heard all of those podcasts. Yes, I have. And and you think there's still there's a few other things to mention. Uh, what were some of the things? Well, well uh, I, I just got around like this past week. I got around to checking out the pictures you posted on the website uh, on Permies uh, from. Oh, what's your name? Uh, flew over in the plane. Oh, right. Kelly Ware's yeah, uh, brother or something. Brother, yeah. Uh, yeah. Brother-in-law or something. I think, like it was her, I think it was her brother. Yeah, flew. And I was just amazed. Because I, I, I was there for the PDC and most of the SEP event. I just had to leave a couple days early. So I missed the actual building in the pond. And I was just amazed at how everything turned out. And I know you've talked about the PDC in general in prior podcasts, but I don't remember a lot of talk about the aftermath of how oh. everything turned out. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Well, I know. I don't know if you know a lot about. Well, I went back up there for when the so the the Missoula Independent did a huge story. So this is the weekly paper in Missoula did a huge story on permaculture, and, and they had my happy, smiling face on the cover of, of the weekly paper. And you sent that out in your daily email, too, I think. I think I think a lot of pod people don't look at my daily email. And and so, and, 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 and it's, I think it's, in a way, it's kind of funny because in my daily email, um, I will often post things that I do not, that, that are not available in the podcast. Yeah. And that are not available anywhere else, and and it's like uh, they get all the came. they got uh, some of the daily email. The podcast people probably didn't know that uh, um, I mean all the authors and you know Jeff Lawton and all these other famous people that that come by and that you can ask questions. Like right now, Mike Ayler is on the forums and he's answering questions. I did see that because you're on the daily email. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so all, all I'm saying is is that, and and then I also uh, tend to not announce it on Facebook or Twitter. I I you know, sometimes I feel like, oh no, this is a really good one. This is only for the people on the Dailyish email because it's delicious, and and um, and the Facebook people can suck it, and the Twitter people can suck it, <laughs> and the the podcast people is kind of like you know you, you hear the podcast like a month after we record them or. A week, anywhere from a week to a month after we record them. So it's like, ah, that's so that that's so done with. It's so over, and um, so uh, and then also there's a lot of last minute stuff. Like as we're getting right now, we're gearing up to go do the tour, and we're talking about like, okay, well, when we get to this one town, we're going to stay the night, and we've got nothing planned, and so we'll send something out on the daily email to say. If anybody wants to get together in this town, we can have a potluck or something and hang out and visit. And so all those that signed up for the daily email, now you have a reason to. So I, I just feel like, you know, that's where I put all the candy, all the best stuff <laughs> on the daily email. So, um, and of course, you know, the forums, I mean, that's that's the place where we really change the world. Right. And, and uh, um and I, I, there's no way I can keep up on every thread that goes on on there. But um, 
Uh, I think I'm very good when somebody who's a member of the forum community and, you know, like look at their post count and it's like, oh, they posted 100 posts. And they say, okay, I posted a thing over here and there's been some talk, but I would really like to hear what you have to say. And then I'll go look at those and put a comment. But um, uh, I, I know that the, I spend most of my time at the Tinkering Forum. And now we've got the, the Paul's Farm Forum. And, um, and I'm trying to fill out the Paul's Farm Forum because we are really close to, school, to getting land. And um, we have, like, two really good contenders right now. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And, and so um, uh, and there's, there's so much going on. And I, I, we were going to have a Kickstarter and um, and it's like Kickstarter doesn't allow you to do a Kickstarters for real estate, so it changed our strategy. I think I'm going to put together some Kickstarters about DVDs, and I'm going to start cranking out some some DVD pretty intense topics, including the you know Wafati. And that would be a really good DVD. I, I think so too. And so then you know let's see if we can uh, you know we'll we'll go with that kind of strategy instead of like okay get a bunch of money for the Kickstarter for land. Um, so, anyway, uh, there's that. Uh, oh, and, and speaking of that, um, one of the things is that was announced on the Dailyish email probably uh, two weeks before you hear this podcast, <laughs> two weeks before this podcast actually goes out. So this is like about five days ago. I made up a new word. Oh, that's right. And... You have, to look, you have to look at the sheet of paper you yeah. haven't memorized yet? No, I don't have it memorized. I'm still struggling with it, too. It means it's a new word. Yeah, I, and I was, cause I, was I, I was behind on all the daily emails, but I, I did keep them unread because I knew I, I would get to it eventually. And then I, I stumbled across this one, and I went, what the heck is he talking about? Ethel? <laughs> well, what the heck is that? <laughs> Textured Earth for all years? So, so I sent out a, so I sent out a dailyish email to announce that I made up a new word, and um, and so basically the thing is is that this has come up more than a hundred times in the last few months. Oh wow! And, and well, I mean, like I go around and I I talk to a lot of different people about a lot of different things, and and then as I'm trying to convince them of certain things, then um, I'm I'm trying to describe how I I have this idea for a greenhouse substitute and and because I don't I don't like greenhouses there's things I don't like about them I don't like how they're so separated from nature and it's like uh, you you have to irrigate in a greenhouse which strikes me as wrong and um, and on top of that it's like all of the light that comes onto the plants is filtered light you don't have purely natural light. Yeah, because even, I'm sure, clear glass filters out some stuff. It filters out UV. Oh, it does? All glass, all glass filters out UV. And so it's kind of like, well, things still seem to grow. They seem okay. And and it's kind of like, well, right. They, I mean, you can feed plants um, miracle grow and they seem okay. You can even give them uh, doses of poison, and they'll take the poison up, mm-hmm. and now it'll be a poison carrot, and it'll seem okay. It's still orange. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a funny thing, because it's like carrots originally weren't orange. Oh. It was like this, this person over, like, 
Dutch person or the Netherlands or something. It was like basically what they did was is that they um, they after after years and years and years of tinkering, they finally came up with an orange carrot, which was to honor their royalty. Oh. And you know they're like you know they're special colors. So like oh we got orange carrots. What a freaky thing this orange carrot, this freak show carrot. And uh, so they used to be all kinds of colors. And and so um, uh, but now for some reason. We all want that that Dutch royalty carrot color, so I think I think we're moving away from that now again. But all right, well we're wandering off the topic. The, the key is is greenhouses. I don't like them. And, I mean, basically you take on Mother Nature's job. I mean, so now you got to water it, you got to fertilize it, you got to do all these things that you know. You may even have to heat it, and and. Um, uh, it's it's like a job. You've just given yourself this job, and I don't like having a job. I I you know that's giving myself more work. Hey, future self, you're now my personal bitch. Oh man, and then oh. I then it gets in the future. I look back and you say you say past self, you're such a you're such a dick, giving me all this work. I hate you, past self. Yeah. So I'm not into that, and so it's kind of like all right, so. Uh, then he takes up Holzer's techniques, and it's kind of like, well, he's growing lemons and other citrus fruits outdoors in the Alps of Austria. And it's kind of like, you know, well, if he can do that there. And, of course, I, I talked to him about it. I asked him a lot of direct questions. And he's growing food for himself year-round. Without a greenhouse. Without a greenhouse. And um, And I know that myself... I've, I've said several times, I mean, my own presentation on this topic is, is add lots of texture to the landscape. You do not want homogenous soil. You do not want a homogenous landscape. And, and so, um, uh, th- this has been the way I've expressed it, is that when you go out and you add a bunch of texture to the soil, you're going to end up with like 1% of the soil in 100 little dots is going to be much warmer. And you're going to have a hundred other little dots that are going to be really cold all year. And so it's kind of like, um, uh, and then you're going to have a bunch of stuff in between. And it's like, well, out of those hundred dots, can't you grow greenhousey-like things there? And then you don't have to irrigate or fertilize, you know, all that stuff where you don't have to work. I can, I can give a gift to my future self and then when future self looks back at past self, says, I love you, past self. You are awesome. Kissy, kissy. You're so cool. You know, as, a, as opposed to, you know, the other scenario. What's with this credit card shit? Uh, just all the five people. I just got a visual when Paul went, kissy, kissy. Nonplus? No, no. Far from that. Do you need a piece of pie to wash the image out of your head? <laughs> More than pie. <laughs> All right. So, um, so, so Taffa. Yeah. I'm calling this Taffa. Textured earth food all year. And and so I, I want to have lots of bumps and lumps. And, of course, you know, there's going to be the idea of having a sun scoop. And in front of the sun scoop, there's going to be a reflecting pond. And this is how you end up with the warmest points. And that's similar, very similar to what SEP does. 
Um, yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it might be taking it a little beyond what okay. Sep does, but maybe not. I mean, I've never been at the Sep's place, but I also kind of get the feeling that most of what goes on at the Kramerhof is stuff that he did like, you know, 12 years ago, and that now he does his most advanced work on other projects. So I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, because one thing, speaking of ponds, one thing I remember about seeing pictures is that this whole house is basically surrounded by ponds. So I'm assuming that helps in the winter. I I think so. I mean, part of what he tries to do is he tries to make it so that the pond itself won't freeze in the winter yeah. by making the pond deep enough. And um, I'm I, I think that that's a, a noble goal to be sure. Um, not sh- not sure. I'm I'm thinking about like the idea of having some spots where I build walls. And then using some of the ideas that come from Wafati to try and help set a much higher, warmer point on the walls. The other thing is that if you use walls and they're vertical, they're very vertical, then what happens is is that when you get into the summer months, then you the, the walls end up being kind of shaded. And, and, I mean, even if you put – especially if you put, like, a little tiny roof – that sticks out like a foot over the wall, then a lot of the wall ends up in the shade through most of the day. And and then um, I think that what you end up with is it's cooler in the summer and it's warmer in the winter. And and so then I, I kind of think that that's going to be a, a, a really good strategy. Or um, you, you could even design this a way that doesn't have – I think there's a lot of experimenting to be done. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyway, Tessa, I've got a thread going at Permis, and it's in my um, uh, Paul's Farm forum, um, and this is where I'm talking about things that I intend to do on on my farm. And there's some discussion there about um, uh, community strategies and things like that too. All right. What else do we want to talk about? Let's see, there's uh, the the PDC stuff in Dayton. Yeah, we we pretty much covered. Oh yeah. So so you've been up there. Like within the last month or two? Um, it was about, I think it was six weeks ago. I, when I was up there, I think everything was six weeks old, but it had gone, uh, like the first two to two and a half weeks didn't have any rain. But we went up there because of the article um, in the Missoula Independent. Um, and so the, 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 big, the, the weekly newspaper article. So we went up there, and they were writing about me, and they were writing about permaculture, and they were writing about the, the Dayton project, and, um, and so I got to take a look. And everything was like a good foot tall. There was a lot of stuff that was a foot tall. Um, and uh, um, I think, uh, you know, when I sent an email out to the Daily email, like, look at the article, and it had pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it, was, it was coming along nicely. They hadn't irrigated at all. The first two and a half weeks had no rain. There was no rain for the first two and a half weeks. And it was still a foot tall? And it was still a good foot tall. So, um, you know, you would think a lot of stuff would have died, but it's part of nature. It did fine. Um, And we also planted it very early. So there was a lot of concern that things were going to germinate, come out of the ground, and get hit with frost. Mm, I remember. It uh, did fine. Did fine. Um, uh, 
So I I think that um, I mean overall it's a big success. I'm going to go back out there again uh, um, in a few weeks, um, and we're going to see how it's doing now. Um, so I'll be there probably around the middle of September. Okay. Um, and take more pictures. I took pictures this last time. Haven't posted any of those pictures, but I posted Kelly's pictures that she sent me, which shows like uh, there's nearly a kilometer of hugaculture beds. Yeah, I, I was totally amazed by those. They, they just look so good even from there. Right, right. And then the ponds, you know, take a picture. Now, I, I, I'm not sure if I said this in a podcast, but I don't like Seth's big pond. Oh, you don't? So I didn't say this in a podcast? I, I don't remember. Yeah, I do don't you remember. listen to my podcast? Yes, I do. Okay. So um, I was really surprised. I mean, before Sep arrived, I was trying to give Katerina an idea of what I thought Sep would probably do. And um, what Sep did was very, very different. And um, uh, I and, – and the, the big pond – I mean, I can, his reasoning for the big pond is like what you were talking about earlier. If you make it deep enough – then there'll be enough water circulating that it won't freeze. And and that'll help to warm the area, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the wintertime. So you kind of have your own you're, – you're kind of building in a microclimate. Um, and so it's like, okay, that's a, that is indeed a, a smart thing to do. Um, at the same time, I kind of feel like building anything bigger – than a quarter of an acre is like trouble bait. Yeah, how, how big did the pond wind up being? Because it looks huge from the photo. Um, you know, in, in my mind's eye, I want to say three acres. Okay. But I think when I was standing there, I was thinking an acre. And so now I, I, I am second-guessing, third-guessing, fourth-guessing myself, and now I kind of feel like I need to go stand next to it again and kind of, have a critical eye looking at it, but it's it's big, and and, the, and one of the primary elements that really bothers me about it is the dam. The dam is massive. Yeah, I saw them when I left. They were scooping away dirt for the base of the dam, but I didn't see them building anything. Well, when I left at the end, I stayed to the very end. It still wasn't built yet. Oh, they were still building it. Wow. So they had to finish it afterwards, and then I saw it, and I tried making suggestions to it about it, but I think I think that Katerina was really overwhelmed already, and and it's, it's, and she's got like this whole other life she's got to lead, and and I think I think that she got, well I mean like during during the event she mentioned that suddenly she has instant farm. And I'm not sure she wanted Instant Farm. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. My I, words, exactly. I, I get, I get the same feeling. But so, she seemed very happy with everything. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, and then when we went up there for the interview for the, you know, from the weekly paper, she was, she was very happy with everything. And so I think she's kind of. So at the time, I think she was kind of like a little, like, like, uh, um, shocked. Like she was in shock, yeah, yeah, and and uh, it's like I didn't 
no, I wanted this. <laughs> and and now I think she's more like she's kind of she's she's like grokking it. She's like really starting to get it, and it's really starting to like sink in. And it's like this is better than what I thought I wanted. And and I I think she's she's really starting to fall in love with it now. The 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 pond the dam covers half the circumference of the pond. Yes. And yes. and to me that's what for myself that makes me think that the pond was built in a poor site. Like I kind of feel like what you do is you find a place where your pond is going to be like a quarter or less of the circumference of the pond. The dam is the dam is going to be a quarter or less of the circumference of the pond. So you have a smaller point of failure if something happens? Or less work. I oh, mean, okay, you, know, work. you just do less stuff, and then you got a pond. But, yeah, and I mean, because work equals money, you yeah. know? And and that's just so, it was so massive, so huge. That it just, all right, so, then, so there's that uh, as, as a point. The next point is, is that, they made the top of the dam flat. And granted, they made it after Sap left. And what's wrong with the flat top on a dam? I find that surprising because some of your most recent podcasts talked about road building and how you have to have the curve on t- I forget what it's called. The crown. The crown on top of the road. And I believe you mentioned something even about dams and I, in that podcast. Right. So I tried to mention this to Katerina, but it's kind of like, I think I think she's already at 20% beyond capacity of what she's prepared to learn this year on dams and ponds and permaculture and all this stuff. And so it's kind of like the, 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 the reaction I got back is, if you try to tell me one more thing about anything, I have to kill you just so that I can survive another day. You know, something like that. And, and so... I decided she didn't exactly say that. Yeah. That was kind of like in between the words, and 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 so I kind of thought I I need to not tell her anything else. Um, and uh, and so okay, that's cool. I I mean that makes sense. She's she's on permaculture overload right now. Oh, yes. Yeah, and she's got the a whole other world that she's got. To, she's in charge of that she has to go and and do stuff with. So okay, I so I didn't mention the thing that by the way. Don't plant trees on the dam uh, because then they make like little roots that go through, and then the water goes along the tree root, and it's like, look, I found an escape path. Come on, rest of the water, come with me. And then all the water goes downhill to visit the neighbors, um, which, by the way, apparently, um, I mean, there is a neighbor downhill. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and I, I remember seeing that. I, 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 and I. I do kind of, you know, uh, I'm not sure if that neighbor has said anything. I thought somebody said that that neighbor may have said something. Like, but you got to think, when you look uphill and you see a big dam just went in, <laughs> you got to kind of think to yourself, I hope those guys know what they're doing. Is my insurance up to date? Yeah, yeah. And then you talk to your uh, um, your insurance agent. I think I need flood insurance. Why? You're nowhere near any water that could flood. Well, that used to be true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, I uh, 
So there were there were several little points as I was wandering around that I thought I wanted to say, but I just again I was biting my tongue, you know. Um, the the land manager there, Michael, he's eager to hear everything. Yeah, because he 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 when I was there, he was a really sharp cookie. Yeah, yeah. He really knows what he's talking about. Right, and and so um, uh, he called me up and asked if I could come back out, like right after that trip, and and it's kind of like. Uh, I want to come out, and I want to spend a week talking to you about all the things you could do there. But at the same time, I've got, like, the Empire mm-hmm. and, um, uh, you know, looking for land stuff and all the other little things. There's so much going on, and it's kind of like... So anyway, I asked him, hey, you know, maybe start listening to, like, one or two of my podcasts. If he could come to speed in that space, then I could talk to him. Do you know if he's doing, listened to any of them? At, that, at the time that he called me, my impression was he had not listened to any. So, I mean, that would help me to convey a lot right there. Yes, it would. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, for the PDC uh, in Dayton, um, which you and I were both at, uh, um, oh, i got to tell the story about Sep's water. Oh, the fish. The fish. All right, so. This is from when Sepp was here three years ago. He didn't tell the story no. on this trip. But uh, but Sepp um, spent a lot of time talking about live water live water versus dead water. He, he talked a little bit about that on this trip. Mostly to rant. That's dead water. Yeah. And we need to make it live water. Yeah. <laughs> he, he did, I don't think he went into detail, a lot of detail into how to make it live water. So... He had this story, which he told at least twice, maybe three times, three years ago. And um, and the story kind of goes like this, and that is that he goes and um, and there's there's the the where the water pours in, and of course he's got the monk thing. And when when the water goes into the monk, then it's very important to him that it makes that sip 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 sound, and then and then it dribbles into the next uh, part of the pond the next pond down. And when it dribbles in the next pond down, then he likes to fish there. And when he when he catches a fish there, then, of course, he kills it and puts it in a bucket. But it's, it's like even though he's killed it, and he's sure he's killed it, it still flops really? in the bucket. <laughs> now, you get it home to cook it, and it still flops, and you chop off its head to cook it. And it still flops. No. And and then, and then you put it in the frying pan, and you're cooking it. And you know when you cook a really fresh fish, it curls, right? It's just an odd thing with extremely fresh fish. He says it flops out of the pan. He has to hold the fish in the pan to cook wow. it. All, all from the water, basically. Well, well he, he, a lot of things. I mean, it's like, um, so when I was at Brian Kirkliet, then he talked a little bit about biodynamic. And and then basically, I mean, so with biodynamic, it's more kind of like a more spiritually aligned. I mean, you're doing it with phases of the moon. You're doing it with mixtures and concoctions that were designed that uh, in such a way to be, I don't know, a, a deeper relationship 
But it, I mean, it sounds. I mean, it's a lot of work, which is why I'm not into it. And, and so, but the thing is, is that it's all designed to be more symbiotic with nature, and um, and there's a spiritual aspect to it. That's and 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 so um, Brian and Alexandra are, are like. Grooving on that, and they didn't think that they would be, but they turned out to be grooving on that. Kind of like that is Sep with his water. Yeah. And and it's kind of like, and of course people will come from thousands of miles away because they believe it's like the fountain of youth. Even Katerina mentioned she could notice something. Right. Katerina has been there several times, and she believes that it is indeed a fountain of youth. And, um, and that there's like this amazing energy in, in this water. So, and, and Seth's very passionate about his water and the things that he does with it and how he goes about doing it. And, um, uh, so, and now there's the fish story. And so basically the thing is, is that, and the, the, with the biodynamic, the idea is, is that, you know, he, he talks about do plants have a soul? Do plants have energy? Do plants have something which is not necessarily perceptible by our senses? And do we need to consume food that has that energy as well as food that has other obvious nutrients like carbohydrate and fat and protein? And so um, I think that Sepp kind of does something similar with water in that space. That he, he feels there is an energy there. That is something not entirely perceptible. Now, um, you know, I don't know of anybody having held up an energy-o-meter to Seth's water and go, wow, look at that sucker peg out! And, and so, uh, and then holds up to what Seth calls dead water and say, yep, registers nothing. You know, I've never heard of anything like that. And I kind of want to hear a little bit of, of that. And at the same time, I'm also kind of thinking, well, whatever this energy is, we don't have a meter for it yet. Maybe it's a bunch of hooey, um, but maybe it's not. Maybe there's something to I mean, I do believe that when I see the water systems in place now in Dayton, I do feel that that water does seem like I, like I would want to drink it. Like I'd be okay with like drink, sticking my face down there and sucking it right out. I would be okay with drinking it, whereas before it's like no, no way, <laughs> no. You could just tell, looking at the water before, that it it wasn't even close to drinkable, and, at least in my opinion. And and at the same time, between the before and after picture, the word dead, like that water is dead, and that, and then he says he uses the word bio death and biotope. And, and with bio-death, he's got German words for that. But, but it's like when the translators, they say it's bio-death. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like there's, like there's trees there that are growing there, and there's weeds and stuff growing there. But he says bio-death. And, and it's like, yeah, kind of. Can't really put my finger on it, but, yeah. And I've seen places like where they're pointed, and I could say, Seth would call that bio-death, even though there's like, Stuff growing there, or there's a little fishy there or something. Yeah, yeah. And now, and now it's like when I was last there, it was just just budding out, just getting started. But 
but it did. It, it seemed more alive, and and it's like I don't. So I'm going to say biotope because I don't have a better word. Um, so yeah, the, so so it did seem like the birth of biotope, and and uh, and before it did seem a little bit. When we were there, it it did kind of seem a little bit like construction wasteland. Yes, it did. And but it it was all for a purpose. I, Right, a little bit of a phoenix-like thing, right. you know. You you got to burn it to the ground to get the phoenix phoenix to be reborn, and and then you know the phoenix was was elderly when we arrived, and it's like it would have just been elderly forever if Steph hadn't have come along and romanced nature a bit. Mm-hmm. And so I I thought I, I'm looking forward to going back there in the years to come and and seeing, but. Um, I don't know how better to describe it, and maybe I'm just nuts. Um, but I, I do believe that there there is a um, uh, a quality of, uh, that's been added there already with the water, with just the water, and that's kind of what we're talking about. And so, is it possible that you'll go to that lakeish pondish thing and pull out a, a fish? And it would have this life force, this energy in spades, like Seth's fish that he has to hold in the frying pan when he cooks? It's definitely, it could be possible. I'm sure as the farm matures and the water systems get more in depth, then it will definitely be highly likely. So, um, what else we got? Septification, we talked about that. Um, and and so um, oh, uh, there was also a calling dur- during all the presentations at the PDC about not having enough Paul Whedon. <laughs> right, I, I I had to step out. I I left for a portion to go talk to Katerina, and when I came back, I saw that written on the board. Yes, and, and it, most of the people from at the PDC actually went there because of Paul. And all, all of the teachers were great, but we actually wanted to hear more of what Paul had to say. So, um, yeah, and I, I, I think that uh, the teachers that are there are used to teach, teaching to um, uh, people that are that are very new to permaculture. Right. Like, and most of them haven't even read a book on permaculture. But I think since most of the audience there were my pod people, then then and they'd listen to most, if not all, of my podcasts, then um, I, I think that they were um, uh, tasted up for something a little bit richer, a little bit more advanced. Yeah, because I'd have to say, I think we talked about this before, but or you talked about it on your podcast, that there was at least 80% of pot people there. I think I, so there were 45 students, yep. and I think 40 of them were pod people, I think. Yeah, they're, they're, that's probably about right. Okay. Um, all right, looking at the list, um, one one thing is is that uh, for those people listening to the podcast, then um, we had something happen with iTunes. It used to be that all the podcasts were available on iTunes, and then um, uh, uh, something happened, and that got screwed up, and then Josiah went in there and fixed it, and then they were all there again. And so then... Uh, um, then it went wonky. And then I kind of got to the thing where I don't want to make podcasts anymore because 
only 40 podcasts show up on iTunes. And so then, and most people, they just listen to what's on iTunes. So then if, if a new person comes along, they only get to listen to 40. So it's like, well, what's the point? You know, if I just, if I make a new one, it just bumps off an old one. And no one will ever get to hear the old one. Unless you go and, like, really hunt it down. And so, um, uh, uh, over the last few weeks, we've been working with something, and so Susie Bean has gone and run a shrink ray on all the old podcasts, and then um, uh, this new guy, Tim, uh, has uh, zipped them all up, but I think Tim Tim actually showed Susie Bean the shrink ray, and, um, uh, and, and so now, I, like, podcasts 1 through 40 are like 250 megs in a zip file. So not too bad. And um, so what I've done is I've set them up um, out at uh, um, scubly.com. But, but basically the idea is is that my first ever profit stream thing, and, and, and I think I, uh, the, this idea originated with Jack. And, and so then podcasts 1 through 40 are available in a zip file uh, for $4.50. And, uh, and I've also got it set up so that people – who want to set up an account there can advertise it or whatever, and then they get to have like uh, two bucks out of that or something. Yeah, I think it's two dollars. And then I think when they get their two dollars, I think I get a dollar eighty in the end <laughs> because you know everybody wants a little cut here and there. But uh, the, the key is is that um, uh, it's a convenience thing because everything's still available for free. Uh, on on the blog thing, but it can be hard to find all of them, and and I don't fully understand it, and frankly, I don't want to screw with it. Um, and so everything's still free, but for those of you that would like the convenience, I, I I've never used an iPad, an iPod, um, an i whatever they've got these days, an Apple product. Uh, I never used I've never used iTunes. So I don't really know how people consume podcasts, but I'm told that if you get a zip file that contains 40 podcasts, it's a snap. So 1 through 40, 41 through 80, 81 through 120, and 121 through 160. So four different zip files are available out there. And and so we'll, I don't know, I'll, I'll send a link out on the dailyish email. Yes. <laughs> And and I'll, I'll try to make it uh, make some links here and there so that people can find it easily. And we've got a new forum. We've got a lot of new forums out at the forums, um, but one of them is for the podcasts. And so there should be a thread for every podcast out there. And so if people want to talk about a particular podcast, we can do that. And um, uh, and we'll also try to make sure that there's links on that forum going out to where you can buy. The the, uh, the the podcasts that are in the convenient form, um, and and I'm told I've been told by at least a dozen people that this is a, an awesome way to go, and that the price is freakishly cheap, and and so it's like this is this is a good thing in every way. So good. Yeah. I know I know I was concerned like putting the zip files up on my server that my my host would get pissed at all the bandwidth being sucked up by all the downloads. <laughs> So if nothing else, this sits out someplace else, and they do charge me to do it, but then it's like I end up getting more money than what it costs me to do this. And, and at least when I started, I downloaded all of the podcasts individually. 
Which was a pain in the neck. Okay. So I, I think if, if this was available when I started the listing, I would have easily paid the four and a half bucks just so I didn't have to. So um, and the last note that I have, so I'll get links to that somehow, somewhere. I'm not sure exactly what I'll do, but I'll, I'll think of something. The last note I have is that we're going to have uh, another Inland Northwest Permaculture Conference this year. Um, and this year it's going to be in Missoula, yep. and um, uh, and I've already looked at some of the some of the presentations that are going to be given. So once again, it will be very meaty. I thought last year's was very meaty, um, and there was some there was another event not far away where I kind of thought it was like not so meaty, and and that that not so meaty event is going on also, but. I'm not going to go to that, um, and I'm going to, the, but of course this one's like in my own personal stomping ground. The commute will be short, <laughs> and uh, uh, so the Inland Northwest uh, Permaculture Conference, um, I know that in the Missoula uh, Forum, we've got a link to it, I think also in the Rockies Forum, um, and, and, of, and of course I'll, I'll send stuff out on the dailyish email. I, as part of the daily email, there's there's a, a checkbox for Missoula, and and that's where I usually do it. I usually um, uh, send out stuff about the Missoula area that I that I find out about. But um, uh, I'm, so I'll be sending stuff out, you know, through the daily email about this upcoming event when I know more. So and I know there's going to be there's there's an early bird price. Um, they at, at the moment that we're recording this, they're they don't quite have their online registration stuff set up. But by the time you hear this, it should be set up. Um, and, and I'll be speaking at it. Um, I'll be presenting on uh, uh, how to make the big bucks with permaculture. Um, and I know that some of my earliest podcasts are uh, a recording of me giving that presentation. But I've, uh, I've, by the time I give that presentation uh, at this conference, I'll have given the presentation, I think, four more times. And um, I've I've been upgrading the presentation. I've been I've enhanced it quite a bit. So plus with the re- most recent visit from SAP, I mean, there's more to add and and things. Yeah, because I was impressed with your presentation that you just gave in Woodenville a week ago. That was making the big bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you saw that this presentation I'm talking about. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, and and uh, um, was it better than the podcast? Much better. So I think I'm not sure what the price tag is going to be for the conference. I think the early bird price might be 65 bucks. So you know, <laughs> was it was it worth 65 bucks? I, I think so. What was what was what did uh, I know? Transition Woodenville was my sponsor. Uh, what was what they charge you to come see it? Oh, it was by donation, but they suggested five or ten bucks. Okay, all right. All right. So again, it it was still worth it. I, I I thought there were a couple of people that seemed disgusted and left. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I was okay with that. <laughs> Most of the people seemed to be really charged, and a lot of people came up afterwards to to, to, to talk and like, wow, that was so awesome! And the chicken lady was there, too. Oh, Alexia was there. Yes, yes. Alexia Allen was there asking questions, and, and I referred to her in a couple of uh, points here and there. Um yeah, uh, and and so that was that was fun. Uh, did you ask her anything? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. But it, it was fun to actually see her in person rather than the video. Right, right, and and so now um, 
her video has all these marriage proposals and stuff like that. I mean, now that you see her in person, does, does that seem too much, marriage proposals? I can understand why. Okay, yeah. She's she's a sweet gal, real sweet gal. So, um, all right. What else you got? You got anything else? No, that's it. I think we've covered all the questions I wanted to answer. Wanted an answer for. Okay. All right. And I, I just want to wish you luck on your land journey. Oh, the the tour, or or is finding land? Well, both. Both. Okay. With the land whale. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we've already had some adventure with the land whale. Uh, yeah, that was kind of scary. Yeah, the bell thing. It's not supposed to make that sound. <laughs> oh, it made a sound too. Oh, it was like uh, we're going along, and suddenly it's like, sack, 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 sack. And it's like, you know, like right at your, right at your knee, because, you know, the engine kind of sits between the two people. It, it's in the front like the old vans did. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a little freaky when it's like right there with you, you know, and, and then, and so it's like, I think it's not supposed to make that sound. <laughs> no. And so, so, uh, um, fortunately Jeff was driving and, and he got pulled over and he got us to a safe spot and, and, uh, and then we sat around and, and, and fretted, and, and we thought we were going to get somebody, because I called my brother, who's, you know, mechanically inclined, and um, and it was, I don't know, about 20 years ago when, when it came to mechanic stuff, I, I kind of got to the point where I didn't give a shit. I, when I was a teenager, I did some mechanic, and then I just went in a different direction. So anyway, it's kind of like, my brother says, oh, it's a belt. It's easy, you know. It's a, it's a blip. Have somebody, you know, all you got just... I think I left the belt with you in the van there, or in the, in the land with. Just grab the belt, put it on, and go. You know? Stop being such a wuss. <laughs> and we open it up, and Jeff and I are looking at it, and it's like, yeah, we're still not doing this. Uh, and and uh, so then it's like, you know, we'll be able to, there's got to be somebody that we know that's within 10 or 15 minutes of where we're at. That's like, you know, mechanically inclined. And we'll be like, oh yeah, nothing. I'll put that on there in five minutes. You know, but we just comb through all of our, our, our phone lists and it's like, mm. so three hours later we just got a tow, went to a shop, and it was expensive. Wow. Because it, it, it decided to break down in like one of the most expensive places in the world. So I mean, like we were we were just a few blocks away from the Rolls Royce dealership. Oh, wow! Yeah, you were right on like I four hundred five, weren't you? We were uh, four hundred five, right? We were back coming back from Fries. That's right. We've got that blog. Jeff's got his blog where uh, he talks about uh, I think it's permitour two thousand twelve dot blogspot dot com, and uh, it talks about he's putting in something every day for the whole tour, including the pre-tour. So we haven't officially left on the tour yet. Yeah, because yeah, uh, when we went up to Orchid Island, to the bowl, it said it was part of the pre-tour. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, he's got all the pre-tour stuff there. So picking up the land whale, which was kind of scary in itself, and yeah. getting it here, and, and then when it broke down, uh, and, and then it's got the, the uh, trip to uh, Orchid Island, uh, and then um, uh, the trip to Bellingham. But you didn't take the whale to Orcas Island. No, 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 because to get on the ferry, they would charge a lot of money. Now, I, not to get off topic, but I was talking with the guy in the ferry line when I went over the night before. He, he was in the pickup truck. 
Fairing stuff to Star Island, I think it was. And he was saying he paid like 24 bucks with the pickup truck. But then he was saying if he had a trailer on the back, they would charge him $275. Wow. So, again, not to get off topic. But. Wow. Okay, so yeah, we, we, so Jocelyn looked into it and she kind of came back and said, it's crazy expensive. Yes. Don't yes. take the land. Plus, just to get the land well there and back, it would have been an insane amount of fuel. Yeah, because it uses regular gas, right? It uses regular gas, and it gets, I mean, it, 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 just, it just eats a lot of gas. Wow. So, this trip, I'm glad we got a lot of people in this, although I wouldn't feel better. I, in fact, I was originally thinking, wouldn't it be great if we had, like, some kind of huge land whale that had, like, these four-decker bunk beds in the back, and we could, like, take 12 people in one rig. Wouldn't that be awesome? Because then it's 12 people. And and then with 12 people, now, now it's like the the fuel per human being is, like, not as bad. But now there's going to be, like, four of us in this thing. Oh, just four? Yeah, that's oh. it. Just four. Well, for a while we'll have five because okay. we're pick. We've got one person who's going to stay in the hammock for like four days, but that's that's it. I I was going to you know have my brother build in an extra bunk and and add two more hammocks and stuff like that so we could get a lot more people inside of it. But we you know we just didn't have any interest. We just couldn't get people that wanted to you know chip in. So yeah, I thought about it, but it just didn't work out this time. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the other thing is, is it, you know, we were charging, we, I mean, it's expensive. Just the fuel cost yeah, is tremendous. Yeah, and it's, it's not getting any cheaper, which is why we need more permaculture. <laughs> yes, yes. So, in fact, I've, um, today I've been writing up the uh, presentation I'm going to be giving in Eugene on, um, uh, they, they wanted me to give a presentation on uh, urban versus rural. And and so then that could be a podcast. I think I'll just record the presentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about, I don't know, what's on those? Oh, TEFA. We talk about TEFA, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. All the time.